themselves in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. Happy or Monday or Sunday or wherever it is in the world that you happen to be listening to this brand new episode of Gabin in the Woods. <laughs> Huzzah! Hopefully the week's not uh, already getting on top of you like a certain lady in Adelaide who woke up with a man on top of her oh, in the middle of the night. How old was she, Liz? Uh, this lady was in her 80s. So, hey, she's still playing the field. No, this was one of those stories where I was actually in the other end of the house and I sort of heard the words, woman woke up to find man on top of her and my spidey senses activated and I sort of like power ran from the um, end of the house to try and get all of the article. But yes, a woman in her 80s lives alone, woke up to to find, uh, she was asleep in bed and just to find a man just laying on top of her. Yeah, that's that's pretty nasty. Like she she will never sleep again. She uh, started screaming the screams of any human being who wakes up to find a <laughs> a man lying on top of them. Um, to which neighbours heard those screams, wow. and when she started screaming, uh, the fellow um, uh, ran out of the house and away. Wow. So, you know, it's one of these situations where I go back to the old NRA line that the only thing that'll stop a bad guy lying on top of you is a good guy lying on top of you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, like, I already don't sleep as it is. No. Like, and like, know that like now this like weirdo is like rummaging around (laughs) like the neighborhoods. On a side note, did I tell you what happened to me as a kid? I'm guessing something pretty traumatic because you are fucked up. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so I used to, when I was like little, 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 I had to sleep in my sister's bedroom. Okay, yeah. Um, With your sister in there? Yes, yeah, but so she was she yeah, was older. I she shared was a like, bedroom too, yeah. Yeah, she was like five years older. Um, and then eventually, you know, I got to like, I'm old enough to have my own room. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Which we all know what that means now. <laughs> No, <laughs> you weirdo. I was an independent child. Okay. And my sister's a pain in the ass. Right. Uh, so, and she used to get really upset just because I would like flip the heads off her Barbie. But anyway. <laughs> so they were like, okay, look, fair enough. Like if you can like move all the junk, you know, up in like the end room, you yeah. can have the end room. So, you know, I set up the end room. They bought me my, you know, my own single bed. Ooh. I was very excited. You've still got it to this day. <laughs> Where it was, it was pushed up um, against the wall next yeah. to the window. Good feng shui. Yeah. Hmm. And I remember, and I used to have these like curtains with horses on it. And it was, I remember it was a full moon. Okay. Okay. So, shadows. Okay. Okay. Anyway, I woke up. I don't know. It's something. Something woke me up in the middle of the night. Did they have a Catholic church in Broken Hill? <laughs> they did. They might have. <laughs> I woke up and I, cause I don't know. It must have been a noise. Something woke me up, and I'm sort of, you know, it sort of took me a little bit. Sort of, mm, what's going on? And then, sort of like with my little childlike eyes, I can see the window, 
And through the horsey curtains, because there's a full moon, I can see the shadow of a grown man at the bedroom window. Oh, no, fuck off. And I can see, basically, and then I hear him. He is taking the, is in the middle of taking the fly screen off of the bedroom window. Because it was really hot. You know, I, I grew up where it's very hot yeah, and yeah. there's like, there's nothing but like scrub, you know, behind us. So yeah. it's normally, it's fine. So that was, I think that was the noise of him rummaging with the fly screen. And he took the fly screen off. And I remember, because I was like right under the window and I was a tiny little kid. I can't remember what age. And like I wanted to scream, but I was too petrified. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to just sort of like slide off the bed like liquid, but I was too petrified. I'm like, oh, if he moves, he's going to see me. I was I was a kid. I was yeah. tiny. And what would happen is normally um, our little, we had this little fluffy mutt terrier yeah. he'd normally sleep on the feet of my bed or he'd sleep uh, on my bed or he'd sleep on the feet of my parents room anyway but so he obviously wasn't there and i'm like <gasps> anyway and so then i see the guy he gets the fly screen off and then with the hand he starts pushing the window open Ugh. and he's doing it so slowly and so quietly obviously not wanting to make any noise and i am just lying there as, as the window comes and i'm like oh <gasps> Oh my god! I'm just waiting for the curtain to move, and then out of nowhere, my little fluffy mutt <laughs> comes running in, launches himself off the bed like into the curtain, like into the gap of where the dude was. Rips the curtain down, everything. Whoever was out there is just like, oh, and like fucks off. Yeah. The dog's all caught up in the curtain and everything. Um, and yeah, and he like ran away, and they woke up. You know, the whole house. So I was literally saved by the little mutt dog that was somebody abandoned by the side of the road that we adopted. Um, oh, that's that's a Disney film. It really is. So, But to this day, I cannot sleep with a... I can't sleep with a window open. That's why. Okay. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah, that is terrifying. So I can't... Um, and that was terrifying enough. I can't imagine what it's like to wake up with just a dude... Yeah. Like, I mean, I <laughs> I get that now because I've got cats. Like, I wake up and I've just got, yeah. like, cats on me, like, in my face. But, yeah. A, oh, my God. That's a reason to buy some shutters. Maybe we should get a sponsorship deal. Maybe. Burns for blinds. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Stop your rapist. <laughs> oh, my God. Not only should they would I get them, I would pay extra for, like, the 2000 Sucks edition, like RoboCop <laughs> style, that electrocutes anybody trying to touch my window. Any rapist trying to touch my window at three in the morning. Yeah. Um, <gasps> that's it the other morning. It was about four in the morning. I got woken up because somebody knocked on my front door. No, that's just not cool. That is not cool. But you do live near drug dealers. And Google... Theoretically, allegedly, I would just like to take this moment. <laughs> and Google's not great at getting divided street numbers, like yeah. 2A and 2B. Because I sort of, I had that moment and I was like, oh, and I sort of like, and I, and I sat up and I put the light and the light was on because if there's movement at my front door, it was on. And I turned my bedside light on and I'm like, I'll look at the cats because if the cats are still asleep, I've just imagined it. Yeah. But both of the cats were sitting up like, oh, with like their little ears, like danger. Oh, no. Danger. And I'm like, oh. yeah. So that was a bit, you know. But again, that was just on my front doorstep. Not waking up, dude on me. Yeah, that's fucking terrifying. That poor woman. 
I know. I can't even. So no, and a lot of these crimes, like they they always say that they're a bit random. There's no way. Like yeah. that, like you growing up in that small town of Broken Hill, somebody yeah. knew you lived there. Yeah. Yeah, you don't randomly open a bedroom window on the off chance yeah. there's going to be a small female in child in broken there. fucking hill. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, you know, yeah. <laughs> protect your wife, protect your kids. Yeah. And adopt a rescue animal. Yeah. That's, that's what the moral of this story is. If she had adopted a Rottweiler from the Humane Society... This wouldn't have happened. She wouldn't have had to feed it for days. <laughs> exactly. It'd be, it'd be eating junky <laughs> to this day. Junky jerky. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Can you? That's just that's so cool, man. Nah. And this is a little old Adelaide as well. I remember there was um there was a stabbing at the building site at the end of my street here. <gasps> and the, and the, the Yeah. So the story said that this guy came onto the, the building site and randomly stabbed a tradie. And it's like, I've seen the guys working there. They're all professional footballers. Yeah. Or semi-professional footballers. They're huge. Yeah. They're strapped. They're, yeah. they're massive. Yeah. Some junkie didn't just walk on there and stab one of them. One of them owes Coke money. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that was. Oh, I've never seen him before in my life. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. you know what I'd be doing if I was in the middle of med psychosis? I'm going to go, I'm going to attack that huge athlete with power tools. Yeah. Yeah. That just, that just seems what you do. With my little knife. Yeah. <laughs> my little stabbing my knife. My little stabby knife. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, uh, everybody. Please, if you're in bed right now, please get up and check your windows. Or um, if you're on top of an old lady, get off. Yeah. Fucking. <laughs> that's the other thing. Do not get on top of an old lady unless that old lady specifically requests you to be up there. And she's rich. <laughs> or you're just into it. Yeah. Oh, look, if you're into it, you know? Yeah. Wee. Nothing wrong with. <gasps> I saw a thing on like TV. It was a documentary. An old lady. She was paying for a retirement that way. Really? Yeah. So she was. So she was basically in sex work, paying for a retirement by living the fantasies of younger men. Yeah, by like dudes who had a granny fetish. Good on her. And like all her family was like, it's disgusting. And she's like, eh, what have I got to lose? I enjoy it. The gentlemen <laughs> take they take me out for a nice meal. <laughs> Fuck off. She's old and. Doesn't have great circulation. Her vagina would look like two fucking sun-dried tomatoes. <laughs> She'd be thrashed. She can take her teeth out. <laughs> but does she have a couple left? <laughs> you know, there's people that don't get the full removal. <laughs> they just got one or two for nostalgia. Oh, my God. You know what I think? I th- actually feel like I think there's worse fetishes to have than like a grandma fetish. Because oh, like, far worse. After you do it, like she'd make you a cup of tea. You know what? She yeah. would probably give you cab fare to make sure that you had enough money to get home. Yeah. She'd secretly put $10 in your back pocket. <laughs> Let you have a go at the lolly tin on the way out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, for your birthday, you'd Take get a card some... with $5 in it. Take some lemons. I've got lots of lemons. <laughs> Can't make it all into lemon cake. Take some lemons. Oh, I think it's nice. I think so too. And, you know, it's more realistic than like in the States where they're all ending up at fucking Walmart as greeters and all that kind of stuff. No, get into sex work, Nana. Yeah, you know what? You know, if you're you're bloody, you know, your legs are playing up because of sciatica, get off, you know, bloody, you're 80. Get off your legs, get on your back. Get on your back for Australia. Woo! There's lifters, leaners. And fucking leaners. <laughs> and teeth removers. Oh. <laughs> oh, good God. What? I have heard you pay extra for that, apparently. Really? If, if a sex worker can take your teeth out. So you pay extra for that? Yeah. Because 
you know, there's no teeth to get in the way. But I don't know, man. That, that's a very specific kink, and good luck to anyone who enjoys it. Mm. But well, to me, that just seems like it's like someone gurning on you. It's weird. Oh, don't knock it till you try it. I'm not trying it. Well, oh, so you can't knock I'm it. I'm going to knock it from a safe distance, <laughs> like the North Korean South Korean border. It might be the greatest thing that you've ever experienced in your life. I really doubt that. They've grown up in a generation that weren't particularly adventurous, I imagine. Are you kidding? Old grandmas, have you seen how long they can make a Werther's original last? Just... (laughs) They can suck it for days. No, that's passive. Can you imagine what they do to your little one? They're dissolving it like a sarlacc. They're not fucking... You'd be like... They're not sucking. They're just letting it sit there and slowly digest in the fucking juices in their mouth. You would be like that guy in The Mummy after Imhotep got their hands on it. No, you would be like that guy in fucking The Fly when Brundlefly vomits on his hand and dissolves it. That's what it would be like. (laughs) Oh, I can't chew anymore. There's no romance to you. There's none. (sighs) No romance. Well, you know what? Speaking of romance... Yes. Maybe we should turn our tide back to a, a more of a romantic age. The cave age? Back to the, say, the 1800s. Oh, when romance was uh, was well and truly alive and, mm. and horrible books were being written by men. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Uh, look, a few episodes ago, we started to look at the age-old battle of fire versus humans. <laughs> yes. Uh, we left off at the end of the 1700s. Things were not looking so good for humans with spontaneous human combustion five, human being zero. Yeah. Uh, what do you say if this week we see if we can turn things over in the 1800s? In the coal age. Woo! Burn, when, baby, burn. When you were competing against such popular fuels as pitch and Egyptian mummies. And poor people. <laughs> do you know they literally did that in Egypt? They used mummies Yeah. as train fuel. Yeah, because yeah. just like, oh, there's not a lot of wood. Let's just put this... Let's use dead slaves. <sighs> Django. A lot's changed. <sighs> okay, so this week, our episode is Spontaneous Human Combustion 2. Or, heat at 200 degrees for 1800 years. <laughs> or, new craze catches fire across the globe. Oh. <laughs> Now, in the last episode, we heard of some perplexing cases of people who spontaneously caught fire. But what we didn't encounter was someone who reportedly spontaneously combusted on multiple, no less than four occasions. Multiple combustions. I'm a member of a barbecue group on Facebook and I've seen people do this by trying to blow petrol onto fires. (laughs) Oh, well, the question was, was this spontaneous combustion or premeditated murder? <laughs> or the world's worst compensation claim <laughs> of all time. I caught fire five times. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you fill out the form? Fuck. <laughs> I caught fire six times. <laughs> did you fill it out this time? No, I haven't got any fingers. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> oh. In oh my god, can you imagine that the first time it was like, I'll collect my insurance. What do you mean I'm not I'm not covered for fire? Fuck! <laughs> like to improve my policy, please. Just walk in absolutely p- 
pitch black and dripping wet. It was a flood. <laughs> oh. In the January of 1820, the Wright House of London suddenly became wrong. <laughs> when a series of fires began to plague the Wright household, more specifically plague John Wright's mother, whom we shall refer to as Mother Stick a Fork in Her, She's Done. <laughs> or Motherfucker, why won't she light? <laughs> I'm sick of these motherfuckers not staying lit. Now, in the tradition of the day, the stories recorded the son's full name, the son's occupation, the son's address, but not so much as the first name of the female victim. Of course not. They don't exist. Yes, exactly. Uh, Only the things that matter, (laughs) like property and ponies. (laughs) And then if you're uh, South Australia's one-time aspirant Prime Minister, the things that batter domestic violence. (laughs) Oh, dear. Very awkward. (laughs) Um, On January the 5th, 1820, there was apparently a small fire of unexplained origin reported by Mother Wright. There is no information for this provided um, of the incident. It was probably thought to have been a one-off. However, then, two days later, on January the 7th, Mother Wright had been sitting by the kitchen fire talking to a servant girl. As Mother Wright walked away, it was noticed that her dress was on fire. (laughs) Pardon me, madam. (laughs) One can't help but notice that you might be slightly ablaze. Oh, my God, how very common of me. (laughs) Know your station, girlie. (laughs) If I was going to be ablaze, I'd have the master of the house tell me. Now, fuck off back to the coal pit. <laughs> now, this fire was quickly extinguished. But five days later, on January the 12th, Mother Wright's clothes once again caught fire. But this time, she was nowhere near a fire. Okay. The only thing that the incident seemed to have in common, other than the flammability of Mother Wright, was that she was in the home on each occasion... And each time she was in the presence of the same young servant girl. Oh. Could this simply be a coincidence? <laughs> She's switched to magnesium <laughs> detergent. <laughs> all, the, all, the, all the people of Paris are trying it. <laughs> oh. The following day, Mother Wright and the servant girl were once again in the kitchen. It sounds to me... This is more Mother Wright following the servant girl around than, I think so, yeah. you know, the other way around. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. You know, like in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, fuck's sake. Like, we all know what it means when you go to the kitchen at work. It means you're trying to get the fuck away from everybody else. <laughs> if you then follow your employee into the kitchen, you'd be told. You, just, you know what? You, it's your own fault if you accidentally get set on fire. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm sorry, Madam Wright. I thought you were a piece of toast. <laughs> fucking gun, get out of your fucking piece of fucking. <sighs> <sighs> the young servant girl left the kitchen. Uh-huh. Again, trying to fucking flee Mrs. Wright. When both the servant girl and Mrs. Wright's son heard the screams of Mother Wright coming from the kitchen. John Wright ran into the kitchen and found Mother Wright in flames. 
Luckily, they were able to extinguish the flames again. John Wright did the usual practice of the day and accused the closest poor person of being responsible. <laughs> of course you do. John Wright accused... Trickle-down justice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, it obviously couldn't have been somebody with, like, character or position. <laughs> we don't commit crimes. <laughs> now, my, my mother may be terribly flammable being made of inheritance, <laughs> but... It surely couldn't have been the one person who doesn't stand to profit from it. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my Lord. Look at him. You know what? She she probably set her alight with her, you know, poverty. Yes, or her readings of Karl Marx. Or something. Oh, God. You know what it is? It's probably, oh, this is why I don't like to, you know, you you employ women. Then they get their period and then your mother catches fire. (laughs) They're the same colour, crimson. Also happens to be the colour of the devil. Don't tell me it's not a coincidence. I see those colours on the French flag. (laughs) Ignoring the fact they're on our own. (laughs) There's a reason you'll never find the king having a period. (laughs) It's the work of the devil, or even worse, the French. (laughs) (gasps) Was that your period? (laughs) Speaking of which, I found a tampon at the park today. Oh. That was fun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Used or unused? Uh, Well, it might have been used, but it had been washed by the tide. We went down to a coastal park. Yeah. I took a photo of it. I'll send it to you. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. That's not weird or pervy at all. No. You know? Did you put it in a bin? I'm not fucking touching that. You know, get a... Bag or something. Or catch fire. <laughs> I'm not touching it. <laughs> oh. There's John Wright accused the young servant girl for being responsible for the fires, even though in the case of the last incident, she wasn't even in the room. <laughs> Charles Fort, born in 1874, who was a researcher and writer specialising in unusual phenomena, described the unfolding events. I bet he had some good thus. science rocks. Oh, 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 my God. Oh, my God. And he would use them to make Fort science. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was Mrs. Wright's belief that the girl had nothing to do with her misfortunes and that, quote, something supernatural was assaulting her. Ah. She sent for her daughter, who arrived to guard her. She continued to believe that the girl could have had nothing to do with the fires and went to the kitchen where the girl was. And again, quote, by some unknown means, she caught fire. She was so dreadfully burned that she was put to bed. (laughs) No skin grafts. Go to bed and take some cocaine. <laughs> I miss the 1800s medicine. Can you imagine that? Oh, my God. Third degree burns and they're tucking you into a nice, warm... Opium. Hessian... <laughs> bed. So you've got zero rights, mm-hmm. zero reproductive rights. You can't own mm-hmm. property. You can't mm-hmm. vote. Mm. You catch fire, mm. but they will at least smoke opium. Mm. Mm. Yeah. But when you catch fire, they will... Put a nice bit of hessian on top of you. <laughs> yeah, that feels good. Oh, Lord. So, yes, yeah, so she was put to bed. 
When she had gone to sleep, her son and daughter left the room and were immediately brought back by her screams, finding her surrounded by flames. Fucking hell. Then the girl was told to leave the house. She left and there were no more fires. This seemed conclusive. And the rights caused her arrest. (laughs) At the hearing, the magistrate said that he had no doubt that the girl was guilty. (laughs) But that he could not pronounce sentence until Mrs. Wright could so recover to testify. There was no word as to whether Mrs. Wright ever recovered and Mr. Wright was proved wrong. Although considering that she had third degree burns and was simply put to bed. (laughs) One imagines she didn't survive. Probably not. No amount of goose fat and prayer is going to save you then. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's literally what they did. Like, oh no, yeah, let's just just put this, you know, like oil all over (laughs) you, mother, to help soothe your inheritance. I mean, I mean your burns and, and injuries elderly mother who keeps hanging around in my house. (sighs) On January the 6th, I just love it when just basically something goes wrong and so just the rich people could be like, well, clearly my servant did it. (laughs) Clearly. Take her to court. (laughs) We trusted her with matches. (laughs) Yes, I know she wasn't even in the house when the last incident happened, but clearly... She had set her her stank about the place. You bring an orphan in and you pay her with pet kibble. <laughs> she has the temerity to set the lady of the house on fire. <laughs> Back in my day, we would just put them in the train and burn them. <laughs> Wonderfully flammable, the poor. <laughs> and it's still happening in Australia now. Yeah. 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 Oh. Let's burn coal. Uh, oh my god, seriously, do not let our Prime Minister know that poor people can, can flammable. Be are flammable. He'd be like, you want your Centrelink money? You're going to have to burn a little bit for the economy. <laughs> Suddenly he's going for a fucking tour of Europe like he just did in the UK, but he's oh. going to fucking Poland and a few other places and taking down some notes on some of the facilities they used to have. Instead can we put a turbine on the side of it? <laughs> yeah, instead of like work for the doll, it'll be like burn for the doll. <laughs> so you've got to go in in eight hours every week. You've got to be like combustibly set on fire. <laughs> you were only on fire for seven hours yesterday. That does not meet the requirements of your job search plan. <laughs> we are cutting, but I need the medical health care for my burn injuries. Well, then you should have burned a little bit longer. You should have thought of that before you decided to put yourself out half an hour early. <laughs> and I bet you, even though you're on fire, you can still rattle off your customer reference number that's been burned into your skull since you're 18. Do you know what is so... It was so bad. I was... Because uh, I had to go and... I had that thing with the tax department. Yeah. Wanted to look at my last, like, 10 years. Yeah. yeah. It has been, like, 10 years since I've been on Sense. Like, I, and I was like... Someone said, and I went, oh, yeah, I know my... I know my social security number still off by heart. Yeah. Because... Heaven forgives, forbid you ever forget it. Fuck. Yeah. <sighs> so, on January the 6th, 1847, France, a couple were arrested and accused of murdering the man's father and then attempting to conceal the crime by burning his body. But the couple's defence was simply that the old man, aged 71, 
which is really old for those days. Yeah, like, talk really about fucking old. Hanging on. Yeah, especially on a French diet. Yeah. <sighs> um, <laughs> H71, that he was already on fire when they found him. <laughs> or in their words, in a, quote, state of combustion in his own bed. Oh, okay. Yep. Have you ever been on a state of combustion in your own bed? Oh, I've had a pretty bad fever once. <laughs> The case was discussed in, check this out for a name, Theodoric, 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 T-H-E-O-D-O-R-I-C. Okay, yep. Theodoric R and John B. Beck. Can you imagine your brother is John and you get Theodoric? That's a bit shitty, isn't it? So this was in their book, Elements... Elements of Medical Jurisprudence, Volume 2. Because the first one, such a top seller. Oh, fucking just flew off the shelves. <laughs> medical Jurisprudence. Oh, I don't know whether to read it or throw a stone at it. <laughs> it's such a work of science. Oh, so much science. Oh. The chamber was filled with a dense smoke. And one of the witnesses asserted that he saw playing around the body of the deceased a small whitish flame, which receded from him as he approached. The clothes of the deceased and the coverings of the bed were almost entirely consumed, but the wood wood was only partially burnt. There were no ashes and only a small quantity of vegetable charcoal. There was, however, a kind of mixed residue altered by fire, and some pieces of animal charcoal, which had evidently been derived from the articulations. Yeah, that, that's very... I mean, the French can cook. So... <laughs> <laughs> they, something clearly went awry there. Mm, mm, might, have been, might have been an Englishman over there on the Costa's El Sol. <laughs> Look, ask him for some chips. <laughs> the victim's son and daughter-in-law testified in court that the deceased usual practice was to have a hot brick placed by his feet when he went to bed each night. Hey, whatever kicks your chickens. That's living in the 1800s. <laughs> if you can afford to put your feet up on your hot brick. <sighs> How'd they get it hot? <sighs> did you just say, how did they get it hot? Yeah. Well, you, clearly you put it in your servant. <laughs> Come here, Bethilda. (laughs) Bethilda, put this in you for a few hours and warm it up for me, will you? Uh. (laughs) So he'd had his hot brick placed by his feet. The son and daughter-in-law had gone past his bedroom not two hours latest and noticed nothing unusual. It was not until early morning when their young son entered his grandfather's room and found his grandfather afire, as described earlier. Dr. Masson was charged with investigating the case. He had the body exhumed for inspection. The body? Or did they just kind of sweep up a bit? Yeah. He's in the bin. (laughs) The cravat. Oh, my God. His cravat survived? Even a burnt, dead Frenchman. You may kill me, sir, but you will never burn my cravat. All we found was a blue and white stripy shirt, a baguette. <laughs> a hot brick and a cravat. <laughs> and a red cravat. <laughs> Definitely French. <laughs> uh, the cravat around the victim was partially burnt. 
And one of the sleeves of the old man's nightshirt was still intact. His hands were completely burned and were only attached to the forearms by a few random carbonized tendons, which when touched gave away completely. The legs were completely separate from the torso, almost as if they had been cut off except for the charring around the bone's edges. Right. That would save a fortune, though, in burying. Like, you totally could have got a half plot. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just just put one bit on top of the other. Boop. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you have to pay by space. I cure it. Yeah, yeah seriously. Tetris oh death. God. There we go. <laughs> the court also established that the deceased had not been addicted to alcohol or drunkenness and that he was known to carry Lucifer friction matches in his waistcoat pocket. Uh, they did spontaneously combust. But he wasn't wearing his waistcoat in bed, like oh, his cravat. He's got his cravat and his brick. Heaven <laughs> forbid he should wear a waistcoat. <laughs> Masson presented his findings to the court, including his belief that he thought it was Impossible that the deceased had somehow died of accidental burning. He also believed that it was impossible that the body had been deliberately set on fire after being murdered. Dr. Masson's conclusion was that the victim catching fire was a result of, quote, some inherent cause in the individual. There you go. So here's, here's the French problem. They gave their poor people rights. Mm. Can't just blame a beggar. Yeah. Or a servant. Yeah. Or the sans culottes. Yeah. Like, fuck. And this is what you get. What yeah. do you do? Blame the cravat? <laughs> I say gave the poor people rights. The poor people found out that the rich people, in fact, also burn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, I say, when you say gave them rights, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like gave them rights when they beheaded. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So he felt it was some inherent cause in the individual. And he noted the possibility that the hot brick placed at his feet may just have set something off. <laughs> my, my bed made of, uh, made of fucking sheep grease and straw. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. Like, he is the person in charge of the investigation and literally just come back and went, oh. <laughs> I fucking know. Maybe the brick did it. <laughs> <laughs> As they put a brick in the guillotine. <laughs> yeah. Chunk. Ding. Just fucking blunts the blade. Motherfucker. Oh my God. Is there no end to its evil <laughs> tyranny? It's in the Bastille to this day. Just a brick <laughs> on a bed. <laughs> just like, it's just got a ball and chain attached to it. <laughs> oh my god, the amount of people that that brick is like. Oh my god, no, they strap it into like one of those things, like in Silence of the Lambs, and just bring it out every now and then for its half an hour of sunlight and wheel it back. And these days, its descendants work in terrible steak grills. <laughs> oh my god, in my mind, the brick has a little cravat as well. <laughs> of course, it does, a little moustache. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, so... Um, <laughs> very different end of the film Papillon. <laughs> Makes a little glider and just falls off the cliff. Into the water. Oh, his wings didn't do shit. I thought you were going to say it's a very different ending to the usual suspects. 
<laughs> the car drives away. We just see Kevin Stacy just turns into a brick. <laughs> the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing us that he's not a brick. <laughs> As Pete Possumate just adjusts the little cravat on him and slows the door. Uh, Paver Sose. <laughs> More merch. Oh my god. And that's the best bit. Yes, and then you just grind up the bit of rubble in your hand and then just <laughs> And he was gone. Poof. Oh my god, Paver Cose, that's fantastic. <laughs> Paver Cose, yay. <laughs> oh my god, I want to go back and re- I want to refilm the usual suspects. Just, <laughs> just with a brick. <laughs> replace Kevin and Spacey with a brick. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? They should have done that with the last season of House of Cards. Just replaced him with a brick. <laughs> you know what? And ironically, <coughs> even in my hit, this brick might have killed a few like old Frenchmen. It's still guilty of less crimes than <laughs> Kevin Spacey. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, Zack Snyder's going to go and refilm whole sections of his film where he replaces Crystalia with a brick. <laughs> More personality, to be honest. Oh my lord! Oh, you know what? Say what you will about brick. Never, <laughs> never touched up a young lad in my kitchen. Might have been involved in some soccer riots. But oh. That's about it. Oh lord! Oh. But what if there is no brick? <laughs> is it still a defence to murder? <sighs> oh. Ottawa, Illinois, Christmas Eve. 1885. Ah, it takes me back. Uh, Picture of Brando playing. Ding, 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 ding. Wolves. Sheep rustling in the distance. Mr. and Mrs. Rooney were enjoying a celebratory jug of whiskey with their son, John, (laughs) and their hired hand, John. (laughs) Not a lot of of creative things going in the Wild West, it seems. No, you couldn't afford to be creative back then. Yeah. Well, I mean, with death rates as high as they were, it was probably just practical. Do you know what I mean? Just call them all John until you knew this one was going to... Yeah. You know, just so, you so run out of names. Yeah, when you've had like 2,800 kids. Oh, my God. John the Hired retired for the night. John the son stayed for a bit longer and then left for his farm one mile away, leaving the Roonies in their kitchen. John the Hired rose early on Christmas morning and came downstairs. The first thing he did was to strike his match against the iron kitchen stove. But the stove was covered in a greasy soot. So he struck the match on his thumbnail and lit a lamp. To his horror, Mr. Rooney sat Dead in a chair. He too covered in the soot. There was no sign of Mrs. Rooney. Hired John ran outside, saddled a horse and rode the short distance to John the Sun's farmstead. When they returned to the farmhouse, they entered the kitchen and what they found was a three by four foot hole in the kitchen floor. Under that on the ground... Edward. Edward. Under that on the ground, about two feet below the floor, they found a burned piece of skull, two charred vertebrae, 
one foot and a small pile of ash. And the Necronomicon? (laughs) That was all they could find of Mrs. Rooney. Mrs. Rooney was approximately 90 kilos or 200 pounds on Christmas Eve. (laughs) Wow. Now... That's a sturdy woman. Oh, yeah. Yep. Now, you could fit her whole body in her Christmas stocking. (laughs) She was naughty. She became coal. (laughs) Oh, my God. When you become so naughty, you become your own coal. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck, what did she do? Whoa, Santa was not impressed. (laughs) She must have, I don't know, maybe expressed a desire to vote. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, No other part of the floor or any of the furniture was burnt. The only other thing that showed any sign of fire damage was a tablecloth that was slightly scorched on the corner that hung over the burned out hole in the floor. The sheriff was sent for as suspicion lay on hired John. But no case could be brought against him as there was no evidence. In fact, when the sheriff investigated the ranch, the sheriff found... Wait for it. Okay, yep. The sheriff found that the the soot had not only drifted upstairs, but that it outlined hired John's head on the pillow... As he slept. Ugh. You know that means he was breathing in. Oh, no. Mrs. Rooney. Oh. This did not stop a trial from happening. The coroner told the jury that this was a classic case of spontaneous human combustion. Mrs. Rooney's death was deemed to be accidental. However, the the cause of Mr. Rooney's death seemed much clearer and he was deemed to have been asphyxiated by his wife's fumes as he burnt. (laughs) We've all been there. (laughs) Diet diet heavy in cabbage. Just don't like them. It's Christmas time, all right? (laughs) We all get a little combustible. About six months ago, Mm. um, because I was making a lot of sauerkraut, Mm Mm-hmm. And oh I just, God! I decided to eat some of the sauerkraut I was making, uh-huh. and I washed it down with a live kombucha. Oh, good God! And I turned myself into a small fermenter. Oh. So bad, I ended up actually having to go see the doctor, <laughs> and he fucking laughed when I told him what I'd done. <laughs> oh my God! You know what? You were lucky nobody put a hot brick at your feet. <laughs> I would have warmed the brick up. Let's uh-huh. put it this way. Oh, my Lord, how do you have a girlfriend? I don't know. I I basically turned into Cape Canaveral. (laughs) Except nobody was flocking to see that. (laughs) No. Except just like an early space flight, I did kill a dog. Oh. And you did leave a trail behind you. (laughs) That could be seen for some time afterwards. Oh, my God. Now, the Boston Medical and Surgical Journal gives details of a story reported by Dr. Hartwell in 1892. The New England medical doctor was travelling along a road in Massachusetts on May the 12th, 1890, when a child by the side of the road was pleading for help. Stopping to assist, his eyes were drawn to the sight of a young woman who was the child's mother. The woman was crouched in a clearing in the woods and flames blazed upon her shoulders, abdomen and sides. 
This is a this is the oldest trick in the book. And her legs, what set yourself on fire? Yeah, pre- you know, pretend to be in trouble so that you can flag down a motorist. Yeah. Yeah, look my mum's on fire, mister, help us out. And that's when the knives come out. Stab stab. <laughs> and then they steal your skin to repair <laughs> the third degree burns you've given yourself. It's the perfect crime. <laughs> Oh my god, it's the original face-off. Damn you, John Travolta. (laughs) Running to her aid, the doctor noting that the ground was wet and muddy from a recent downpour of rain. The doctor... Okay, so you say, oh, please, mister, help my mummy. My mummy's in trouble. The doctor began to throw earth onto the woman and managed to eventually put out the flames on the woman's now severely burnt and now muddy body. Yeah. Because that's what an open wound needs. Canadian soil. Oh, no, this is Massachusetts. Massachusetts mud. Yeah. (laughs) Just flicked on you like a dog burying a turd. I like this. This is pre-stop, drop and roll, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Quickly, just put some more dirt on her. Stand there and throw dirt at them. <laughs> All I can imagine is this poor bitch is on fire on the ground, and then this guy just comes up and just starts throwing like fucking dirt and bits of rock at her. And she's just like, ow. <laughs> it's the latest science. Can you see I'm on fire? Can you maybe not throw mud at me? Ah. Uh. And I am sure that all of that glorious mud onto her third-degree burns really helped her with a swift and speedy recovery too. Yeah, absolutely. Sepsis. When you die from sepsis after catching on fire. <laughs> oh, my God. Why? I was, I was. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have my science stones. So I, I, just, I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, maybe there'll be some stones in this mud I can throw at her. I couldn't explain the fire, but I could explain an infection. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, okay, let me rub some mud into it. I can treat you if it's an infected wound. If you're a pussy, I can help with that. Oh, Lord. On February 19th, 1888, a retired soldier climbed up into a hayloft to sleep off his dutiful time at the bar. Ah. He was found to be ash in the morning completely consumed by fire whilst the loose hay he lay on and the bales upon bales of hail around him were completely untouched. Look, so far it's not looking too good for medical science in the 1800s. No. But what we're about to hear may just change that. As reported in the Transactions of the Medical Society of Tennessee. Yeah. James Hamilton was the professor of mathematics at the University of Nashville in Tennessee. On January the 5th, 1835, he would become a victim of partial human combustion. Well, it was a cold degree it was a cold day, only 8 degrees. James decided to walk 3 quarters of a mile from the university to his house. Reaching the outside of his house when suddenly he felt a sharp pain and the sensation of heat in his left thigh. Oh, honey, we all know that. All right, you need to get yourself some of those underpants with the, with the chafing, the longer legs to prevent chafing. Um, we've all been there. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, I couldn't walk three quarters of a mile. I would start a bushfire. But looking at his thigh... 
he saw a flame. It was bright, the size of a dime and seven inches in height. Out of instinct, the professor slapped the flame to extinguish it, but to no effect. In a brilliant example of keeping your head under pressure, the professor cupped his hands over the flame and the spot of the burning flesh, denying the fire oxygen. And thankfully, the fire went out. The pain in his thigh, however, continued and ran deep into the thigh. Once he was confident the flame had extinguished, the professor went inside his house and removed his pants and his underpants to examine the wound. This has got all the makings of an academic scandal. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was just, because I was on fire, I honestly didn't know that my student was in there on the couch. It was a medical emergency. I had to remove my underpants. (laughs) There was what looked like an abrasion mark on the site of the flame. It was about three inches long and three quarters of an inch in width. He examined his undies, (laughs) no doubt after he rinsed them out, and he found a hole the same size as the wound and located in the same spot. However, the trousers were not burned. Above the injury, the inside fibres of the pants had been tinged with an unknown dark yellow fuzz. (laughs) Motherfucker needs to wash his clothes more often. (laughs) Or at least dry them in the sun. Yeah, that was called your last date. It's called Betty Sue. (laughs) The professor sent for a medical doctor who treated the wound as any other burn. But this was no order. (laughs) (laughs) Just come outside. Why are we going outside? God damn it. (laughs) As he gets inside, gets into the doggy position and just starts (laughs) flinging dirt between his legs at him. Now go to bed. Leave your brick here. (laughs) Can't take any chances. But this was no ordinary burn. The mark took 32 days to heal. But I think that was just 1800s medicine. Yeah, you could die of tetanus like that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) With the scar continuing to remain angry for quite some time. As were the muscles around the injury, which remained sore long after the wound healed. So that gives us hope. Maybe if you catch it quick enough and keep your head and take your underpants off quick enough, (laughs) you might just have a shot. Of course, a southern gentleman would survive <laughs> such a thing. I kind of add, I'm like, um, if anyone was going to survive that, Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Yes, he cupped the flame with one hand and, and poured himself a delicious bourbon with the other. Uh, now, the next story is not spontaneous, but more mysterious. It was reported in the Edinburgh Medical and Surgical Journal in March of 1829. A man's clothes caught fire. That's not the mysterious part. We know why his clothes caught fire. It was a logical reason. But it seems when his brother rushed to his aid and attempted to help his brother out and put out the flames, in turn, his hands caught fire. Jesus. For the next several hours, 
The hands would have fire leap up whenever they were removed from water. <laughs> Fucking hell. Although there comes a point, how many times do you have to like keep pulling your hand out of the fucking water for someone to go, fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my God. So <laughs> eventually a constant immersion in water seemed to eventually extinguish the flames some seven hours later. So I guess we may need to update the slogan to stop, drop, roll, put your brother in a bucket. (laughs) So what else did we learn this week? Well, spontaneous human combustion, five human beings, one. But he's from the South. Is he a human? (laughs) All our listeners are from the South. (laughs) Ah, the fine Southern gentleman. All right, all right, all right. Nashville, though, they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. So perhaps there may be a flicker of hope among the charcoal. (laughs) We will all now just have to see what the next century brings. Dun, dun, dun. The question is, will Paver Sose return? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Dramatic music. The brick flates into the crowd. Oh my god! I really wish you were drinking a cup of coffee then, and then you could just look up at the board and just see all these bricks and just <gasps> your coffee cut drops. <laughs> oh, just say the catchphrase. Oh my god! Quickly as your son enters the room, quick cover his ears for a minute. Come here, mate. Come here. Excellent. Real mothman eat the carpet. Yes. Thank you very much. Bye. Say bye. Ha, 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 ha.